Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today on this Thursday, January the 30th. We've got some Super Bowl props coming up as we get closer to the Super Bowl. In addition to that, we dive into the potential of punting categories in fantasy baseball. Are you up for it? We'll have that discussion as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizapia17. And Joe, uh, always an interesting dynamic to see whether or not you think that you could punt a category. I know in head-to-head leagues, it's certainly easy. You just don't get steals or you don't get saves. If you're playing in a head-to-head uh, categories type league, points obviously completely different than that. But what about in a 5 by 5 Joe? Is that something that you could pull off and just say to... to you know, bleep it with the saves, bleep it with the steals. I'm just going to go all in on power, speed. Uh, you know, wins are very hard to quantify depending on the league that you're playing in. Not, the players don't necessarily win all the time. What do you make of that? Well, I'm not a big fan of punting, just generally speaking. I, I don't like it in the NFL. I don't like it. No, just kidding. I, I don't like punting categories only because I feel like then you have to be so extraordinary in order to win because if you're going to take a, a zero or a one or whatever, a two or three in a category overall, it becomes very difficult to win a league that way. So to me, punting is for the people who don't have the patience to craft a good strategy. Now, punting is also relative to draft punting. I don't think it's the same thing as punting. There's some people that would just flat out punt a category all year, and I don't think that's I think that's definitely the wrong thing to do. But if you're telling me you don't like the way stolen bases shape up or you don't like the way saves shape up in terms of the value you have to pay in a draft for them, that I kind of understand because we also see a lot of these guys nowadays, a lot of the eighth inning guys get drafted that did not, that never used to happen six, seven years ago. Now you, all those guys are done in a 15 team league. They're all, all of them are picked up. Now what happens is those guys do get dropped over April because people have injuries, they have needs, they have to, you know, they make trades. So by the time you get to Memorial day, a lot of those guys get back on the market. So if you're going to punt anything during the draft, I think saves are something you can punt and then try to acquire via trade or acquire via the waiver wire because those are two places where all of a sudden they pop up. Somebody might be really good in saves and then, you know, they have a surplus because they pick somebody else off the waiver wire. And then you could say, hey, you know what? You know, you have a deficit of outfield. This guy is closing games. He's on your bench. Let's make a swap. You have to have good relationships in your league in order to, to punt a category and then try to fill it. But I think saves is the one where you can make the argument. I also think, and I've said it before in the show, too. I don't want to chase stolen bases too hard this year because the, there aren't the 60, 70 stolen base. Guys. They, they don't exist anymore. The most you're going to get out of a guy is somewhere in the 40 range, like the Trey Turners of the world. But that, I don't even there's Trey Turners of the world. It's Trey Turner. So I think when you're looking at just getting a bunch of guys, you can go from you know 10 to 15. I think that's a way to be responsible and not altogether punt. When you're looking at two guys on a board who are going back to back and you have a choice to take one of them, Maybe the guy has, you know, 10 points less in batting average, but he's going to steal six, seven more bases. 
I know it doesn't sound like much, but those six, seven bases add up. So I think that's my approach. Are you somebody that has a plan when you go into a draft, Craig, of saying, you know what, I'm going to punt a category. I'm not going to chase this or chase that. And you, do you believe that's a viable strategy? Yeah, I, I don't ever have one of what would be considered the top closers. I never do. It just doesn't matter what year, what scenario, what round. I'll never have ever have a top three, top four, top five closer. And every year it seems to be forgotten. And every year someone that's doing analysis is patting somebody on the back for double tapping closers or getting two elite closers. And it never works out. Never. Like zero percentage working out. I mean, just go back and look at history. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many times I got to say it. Taking two of the top five closers, you're going to fail. One of those guys is going to fail. So what I will do in a mixed league is I will try and poach one closer who I think has a a chance to keep the job the rest of the year. Take one guy late, potentially on a bad team that I know may end up getting traded to go overall. But that is the one category that I would say that I almost am never in on, Joe. I just if I think I, that's if, a great way of doing it. Like if you took Rice Iglesias, let's say who we just said yesterday was a guy that showed up in that top five in the last three years. Right. We did the three year averages on yesterday's show, which if you missed, you can go listen on demand. But remember, like he was the surprising guy in the top five because he's just at 30 every year. You get a guy like that and there's 30. And you hit on one other guy, all of a sudden that's sixty, and you're competitive, right? Yeah, but it, uh, where does where is Iglesias in the in your rankings? Where do you have him? Uh, I will I will check in the black book while you're looking at. But uh, uh, you know, it's it's more the concept of you know saves well, or saves. Again, if, if Iglesias, nice, I know, but if, I guess my but they point don't is impact that if, as many innings as the starting pitchers, and you think yeah, you have and, to and by the way, that that's the difference. And by the way, the the narrative of oh, but you're getting the good ratios too. If it doesn't work out, what are you an idiot? Like that's like the stupidest thing to ever say. Like if that's the case, take a starting pitcher. He's number eleven in our okay, in RPV. Yeah. So, so in that's fact, a he is right almost at a league average, and this is like in a two RP kind of format we're talking. Like yeah, in yeah a, I mean right. He is he is yeah. Then that's exactly the the direction that I would go. He you know Ken Giles is another one this year that I'll own in every league. I mean I'm very confident in Ken Giles in Toronto. I mean he's not the favorite guy, but he's there. Um, well, Giles is five right now on my okay. So, RPV. so you know that so he'd be on the high end for me to have to do it. But I will ne- put it this way: top three is a zero percent for me. I will never have a top three guy. Uh, is there a chance that I could end up with a guy like Giles because I like him? Yeah, there's that chance, but probably somebody will end up liking him more than me. So to answer your question, yes, I will punt. I punt saves. Now in the auctions, in the AL only, in the NL only, it's very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Now. I did it in the first year and speculated and thought, oh, I'm the big Maka. I'll just I'll just, you know, get an eighth inning guy and that guy will end up getting saves for me. And I got nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next year I went into the season. I think it was Coda Glover that I spent a few bucks on. And I thought, oh, oh man, he's, he's going to get some saves. Right. So that didn't work out either. Uh, so I've changed my theory in the onlys in the AL, in the NL. I think you have to have uh, a pretty reliable. You don't have to have two and try and win the category that that I don't do. But I definitely do not want to finish last in any category in the AL onlys and the NL onlys. And so last year I ended up having um, Romo on Miami and I took a shot and it was a failure on Sir Anthony Dominguez. So that's what I did in the NL. And, and if I was, uh, I'll still do an NL uh, a good money league this year. And in those leagues, I will have someone. I, I will make sure mm-hmm. that I have Oberg, you know, like whoever the closer is. I'm not going, I'm not coming out of that draft saying, I don't have someone who I think on opening day is supposed to get the ninth inning. I won't do I, it. I did misspeak earlier. I forgot Alberto Mondesi did have 63 stolen bases last year. So Turner and Mondesi are those guys where you go look. But even, you know, if Trey Turner, you know, he had 30 
I'm mean, sorry, 20 home runs, 30 stolen bases last year. Very good year for him. Do you believe the narrative right now that he is not going to be hitting the leadoff spot and they're going to move him to the three hole? Because if so, doesn't that impact his ability to steal bases potentially this year? I mean, I, I, it's, a, it's a question I can't answer right now. Well, I mean, you're a baseball guy. If 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 you do you believe that that's at least a possibility that we have to really consider? I, I have to be fully transparent. I have not heard that. So if that's the I, if that's the I've case, read that in two places already from nationals people like beat okay. reporter people. Well, I, I haven't read it, but okay. if if that's the case, then you know certainly the possibility does exist. Uh, they're going to have to change some things up because they don't have Rendon there, and they didn't really replace him. So I would say that, sure, anything is a possibility, but at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches in Palm Beach, after the first week of spring training, Joe, after I see, I'll tell you, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll know because if if Turner is batting third in spring training over a seven day period twice, there's, there's a chance. I mean, there's definitely a chance. Is it a foregone conclusion? No. Uh, we'll be back with more here on Fantasy Sports Today, including the Super Bowl prop bets. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, I like fantasy sports today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel good. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you. We're approaching the big game, the Super Bowl on Sunday. Joe, is it weird for you that some of these uh, places that advertise they can't mention Super Bowl, like they're going to get sued for millions of dollars? It's kind of silly, right? Like You, see these you mean the big game? Yeah, are we allowed to say Super Bowl on here? Like, do you think there'll ever would... be a day where we're doing a show we can't mention Super Bowl? Uh, I've done a show on this network before we could mention Super Bowl. Really? Oh, no. no, yeah. <laughs> years and years ago, oh, Greg, okay. when you were just a simple beat reporter <laughs> doing your national radio shows, and I was just a simple guy to do, yeah, we had to say the big game. Huh? Really? Uh, in commercials, you had, like in reads. Gotcha. You had to okay. say, if yeah. you got your stuff for the big game, make sure you're ready because the big game is this Sunday. The big game. All right. Well, let's get back to the big game here. <laughs> Total receptions for Debo Samuel on the same. We're going to do some 49ers uh, props here today. We've gone back and forth. 49ers, Chiefs, 49ers, Chiefs. Today, we'll do 49ers. Total receptions by Debo. Oh, I have my uh, props list, by the way. I can give them to you tomorrow. Oh. I have them all done. I have 10 props. Uh, total receptions by Debo Samuel. The total is four and a half. Uh, the under is minus 150. So you're risking 150 to win 100 if you go under four and a half. The over is plus 130. So if you bet 100, you win 130. Uh, I would say over. I would say over, but I don't know if it's a good bet from the way you've described it to me. Do you feel it's a good one? The over is, I don't know if the over is a good bet in theory, but money-wise, it is a good bet because you're risking yeah. 100 and you're winning 130 if you win. Oh, yeah. So I'll throw you, so I, I inverted it in my mind when you said it. I thought you had to, I got you. So no, actually over and yes. <laughs> so there you go. My bad. I, I do think that's, uh, look, Debo's their best weapon outside of Kittle for sure. I know Mostert had a great game. and Everyone's on the Mostert bandwagon right now. And Mostert's a nice player. And yes, they do run the hell out of the football. But if they're going to win this football game, they need to also. I mean, this is not like the Packers where they're just going to blow them out. It's not going to happen. So you have to find some balance of the offense. So for me, Debo is that guy. He's been that guy for a while. But uh, I actually go over. I'm surprised you're going over because you kept throwing the Debo game log in my face last time I went over on Debo. And you said he's never going to get there. I uh, so far. I'll tell you what I got here. 
I have one on him, I think. Let me see. It seems it seems like this is the trap now. I feel like you've set me up in the trap. No, I'm going I'm going under on his receiving yards for the game, fifty five and a half. I'm going under. That's my Debo Samuel prop. Under fifty five. So you think he's gonna catch six balls for less than fifty five? I don't know that he'll catch six either. Or five ball. You said four and a half is a number, so you think he gets five? I don't. I don't. Wouldn't do anything with this. I'm just saying that the better option is to is to take the plus one thirty as opposed to the minus one fifty. I'm not saying that I would do it or not, but gotcha. the better. The, but the better option is never risking one hundred and fifty to win hundred. But look, it's the Super Bowl. Some people, you know, if you're doing twenty dollars, does it really matter? Do it. Have fun. Uh, my my other 49ers one that it looks like I'm on is Mostert's receptions under two and a half. But that under is minus 140. That's like my biggest juice one of all of the ones that, I, uh, that I'm looking at. I don't see Mostert catching three passes. That one feels very right. You know, yeah. I mean, even catching two balls, that feels like a comfortable, like, you know, okay, maybe one, maybe two. But for him to catch three or four balls, that would be kind I of... I think Brita may play a little in this game. So I'm, I'm going under that. But, but it's, again, it's a minus 140. That's a big, big... Uh, I don't know how much Brita is going to enter into it at this point. I, I feel like Mostert's kind of... I think Mostert's kind of had that job. My thing is I feel like they're going to... They'll do those end arounds to to Debo. They'll they'll do stuff like that. Try to get some other people the ball that way in those you know tricky Kyle Shanahan ways, more so than trying to sprinkle in Brita. I feel like I mean Brita will have a couple carries, I'm sure, just to give Mostert a spell. But I don't know, man. I just Debo's. Maybe I'm just in love with Debo as a player. Maybe could that's be. it. Yeah. I, it's, it could be my my whole view is skewed because I just like him so damn much, Craig. How about Emmanuel Sanders? I didn't do anything with him at all, but 43 and a half is his total yards over under. Under. I've been. I don't know. I just don't feel like he's been healthy. He got to that team. And he had a good first game and I don't, and he got hurt. And I don't know if he's ever been quite hundred percent. And I feel like we're just seeing a player that's probably hit hitting that twilight of his career. And Denver was smart to move on from him when they did. I think that was a good job. He was so Denver. good when he first went over to that San first game. He was great. And then was, he didn't do anything after that. Nah, one or two, one or two moments. He did while well, he was hurt. He hasn't been really healthy. So I don't know. And also you just don't know what guys are now. Look, look everyone's had two weeks off. So who knows? Maybe Emmanuel Sanders will come out like gangbusters. I don't know. Uh, but I, I do know that. I'm not as worried about Jimmy Garoppolo beating people because I think that's Patrick Mahomes is the one you have to worry about throwing for big yardage totals here, not necessarily Garoppolo. All right, uh, total points. We're going to go to an interesting one here. We haven't done any kicker stuff, so let's let's knock one out. Total points by Robbie Gold, eight and a half, eight and a half. The over mm-hmm. is plus one ten. The under is minus one thirty. So again, uh, a minus one thirty is not horrible. I mean, that's risking one hundred thirty to win hundred. You generally don't want to go more than that. You're you're basically not proving anything going, uh, you know, anything more than that. But I I can live with a one thirty. One forty is extreme. One fifty. It's like you're betting a game and a half to win a game, or a bet and a half to win a bet. Uh, but gold would basically, I think, Joe yeah. ha- have to go to to hit this over. I think he's got to kick two field goals, right? I mean, that that's two field goals, two field. touchdowns is is eight. But that's not enough. So it's what, not enough, you, and that's why I go under. That's why I think this is actually an under. I mean, you're asking a that's a lot coming from the 49ers offense against the Chiefs. They ain't the Packers. This is the Chiefs. The thing with him is that and, and Butker too is they both can kick these long field goals. Like they don't have any issue. You can, with but like let's say let's say it becomes let's say they hold them there and they get the one touchdown, right? And you get three field goals. So so there you go. You're a three, six, nine right there. So that's that's the that's the concern is do you think how how efficient do you think the 49er offense can be in the red zone? And I think what we've learned about them is their ability to run the football means they can be pretty efficient if they get down into that area. So the two touchdowns, two field goals is what you're betting on here. I would tend to say the under here because typically I also think off the layoff, most of the times you get these Super Bowls with the two weeks off and you get the first quarter, a little bit of the teams just feeling each other out, which from a time perspective allows you a lot less time to score. So so would you go, uh, I mean, then you could make it some decent money. Plus 110 is the total field goals made by him. 
is one and a half. The overs minus one thirty, a heavy favorite, and the unders plus one ten. So you would go under that. You think just one? No, I still say that. I, oh, I'm looking at this as okay. two field goals, two touchdowns. I uh, there's there's going to be a time where the Chiefs stop them, I think, and then there's going to be a time where they don't. And then you've you've opened up yourself there. That's the danger. Is okay, you know who wins that second time? <laughs> you know that that's where this Robbie Gould number goes. Is who wins that other time? Is it the, does the offense win or does the, the Chiefs defense win? The Chiefs defense win. You're going to lose this one because he's going to kick another field goal. So I just feel like from a time perspective, the first quarter is going to take away. And if you get one, maybe two scores from, you know, one score from each team potentially in the first quarter. I mean, when's the last time we had a Super Bowl where teams came out like gangbusters in the first quarter? Never. That does not happen. Right. No, never. That's that's why one of my other props is, I'll tell you right now, let me make sure I pull it up. I mean, they have all the the adrenaline pumping. I have under 27 points in the first half, minus 120. I like that. I like that. I think that's a very good one. I think you're a very smart boy. Over in the second half, though. I like over in the second. Okay, uh, last one here. This is one that I guarantee you will either will be blown away on one side or the other. This will not (laughs) this will not be close. Either this will be a easy win or a easy loss for you. It will not be close. Kendrick Bourne, 24 and a half receiving yards. Bourne is going to have 100 yards in this game or he's going to have zero. There is not going to is this is not going to be close because this dude is the most unpredictable guy. Like you mm-hmm. have no idea if he's going to be involved. Sometimes he's catching three touchdowns. Sometimes he's catching uh, Garoppolo's first touchdown. Sometimes you don't even know that he's even on the field. You want to take a, a dart throw at Kendrick Bourne, 24 and a half. Oh, man, if I went on a throw, I would say over because you I think up a coin. And I say over because I think what's going to happen is if you're the Chiefs, what do you do? You stop Kittle. That's what you that you take away Kittle because he is the ultimate safety blanket there. He is their best player. He's also the emotional leader of that team. And if you could keep him under control, I think that's the thing. If you let Kendrick Bourne beat you, okay, Kendrick Bourne beat you. Like you, you kind of take that one. But I think that gives him open to a couple more targets. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over on this one. I mean, I'm just trying listen, to think from a game plan standpoint. No, it's yeah. amazing. Listen, listen to these game logs. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's oh so no, funny. I know. Hey, you didn't have to tell me. I know. Believe me, I hear you. But Green I, Bay. Anyway. Green Bay. Six yards. <laughs> right. Minnesota. Forty. Right. Seattle. None. Rams. Twenty nine. Atlanta. Eleven. <laughs> Yeah, New Orleans, 18, Baltimore, 42. Like, I mean, how do you even know it? I mean, and, and he had three straight games with three touchdowns and then none for five weeks. It's crazy. You know, it's funny when you say Baltimore, when you say, um, was the other Green Bay was a big one, right? Those are teams that actually have play well in the linebacker. Green Bay was zero. Green Bay was a zero. Green Bay was a zero. Okay. So what was the other one? Baltimore was a good one. Who was the other one? That was he a, had good a game good against frame? Minnesota. Minnesota. Good week against also Baltimore. Good, good week against Baltimore. Really good. Right. Good, good week. Early uh, first matchup against Seattle. Also, and, good linebacker. And then court. at at Washington, I don't know. It's like uh, he had a line, long, let me tell you, Washington's better than you think. He had <laughs> a long catch. You know what? You know what? The, you know what's interesting here? You know what is interesting here? With what Bourne is interesting, Craig? Mish? Is that he's had a twenty-one yard catch, a thirty-yard catch, a twenty-eight yard catch, and a twenty-two yard catch, and the longest reception from Kendall Bourne is fifteen and a half. I'm going to go over on that. I am going to go over on the longest reception for Kendall Bourne being fifteen and a half because I think if he does anything, it's going to be over. He's got a Probably. lot of a lot of games this season. What's his catches? Is there one on his actual receptions? Because I would I would assume like it's like a two or two and a half, right? Uh, I will. I will it would feel like two I, and I a half. I don't think it's on here. I don't. I don't see it here. That's interesting. No, but I mean, you're right. I mean, he does it in one shot. It's like the big play. He's the big play guy. I'm sure there's a prop for it. Oh, okay. Yes. I'm sorry. Apologies. Okay. So you can't bet it. Um, it's two and a half is the number. Right. And the, That's and exactly the, right. So the over right. the over is plus one seventy. So if you think he's going to get more, you'll make a lot of money on that. But if but the under is minus 200, you make nothing. You're, you're, you're going to destroy yourself if you bet the under and it doesn't hit. It's like losing two full bets. So it's, there's no value there. All right, we'll be back with more Fantasy Sports today in just a couple of minutes. Craig and Joe back with you. Don't go away.
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia back with you. One of the things that I've always done throughout the years is try to find good assets on bad teams because you know at the end of the season that there's going to be a Whit Merrifield that's going to be a stud. If you look back last year, I mean, I understand why the Orioles did it, Joe. I mean, they don't, you know, they basically are, are not trying to win. But Jonathan VR was graded out last year. What? First round pick in fantasy? Like based on the numbers that he had last year, like second round pick at the worst. Mm-hmm. So, and, and he's on Miami now. He was on Baltimore last year. So, I guess the point that I'm trying to make as we dive into this is that on every team that's going to lose 90 games, 95, 100, maybe even 110, there's going to be fantasy value somewhere. Identifying it is not easy. It really isn't because there's a lot of variables involved. Variable number one, the players on the team, you're playing in a season-long roto, and then all of a sudden July comes, boom, he's gone, back up somewhere else. Happens every year like that. Uh, I know that you can't approach that going into the year. Smart people always say, don't look at it as the guy's going to get traded. You can't approach it that way. You got to look at it like he's not. But it is in the back of your mind when you're looking at somebody like Josh Bell and you're wondering, oh, like I wonder if he leaves that environment in PNC, plays in a great division, look, he plays in Cincinnati, he plays in Milwaukee, a lot of possibilities there. And then you move him, let's say, to the Padres or you move him to you know some other park where it doesn't, or the Giants, where you know that you're not going to get the offensive output. So you have to try and find what I would call diamonds in the rough on fantasy teams. And I think that the teams that we've identified of being uh, on the poorer side this year, Baltimore for sure, uh, Kansas City, no doubt. Detroit, as far to the bottom as you could possibly go. Those three teams in the American League, no question. Seattle, we would have to throw in as well. Uh, over in the National League, the teams that we know that aren't trying, uh, Pittsburgh has made that abundantly clear in 2020 after making the deal that they made with Marte. Uh, we are both on the side that the Giants are just you know, trying to get out from under any of these guys that they possibly can, but they really have no choice, and they ain't competing in that division, the NL West. We know that as well. And then uh, my Marlins who are unlikely to win 80 games, have a much improved offense for sure. But look, the record is going to be sub 500, no question, at the end of the year. Uh, So Orioles, Pirates, Mariners, Giants, Tigers, Marlins, Royals. Before we move on from these teams, are there any other really bad teams that we have missed here, Joe, that we think that maybe there are some diamonds out there? None really come to mind here. Well, the Royals are, you know, the Royals, I think the Royals from a pitching standpoint are a problem. But from an offensive standpoint, I have a lot of assets I like there. I mean, Mondesi is who I spoke earlier. Let me correct myself. I was looking at the projections for this year. He stole 46 bases last year. He probably would have stole 60 if he actually had stayed healthy. Uh, but Mondesi, Whitmerfield, Soler, Dozier, some really good assets there, fantasy-wise. Not like, I mean, we're talking like first couple round assets here. So I don't think okay. any of these other guys and these other teams you could put there except VR on the Marlins. Everybody else we're talking doesn't come close to the first four rounds of a draft. No. No. So therefore, I can't put KC in that same thing because they have at least two guys, maybe even three that you can put in that conversation the first five rounds. Uh, the pitching is terrible, but you also got Ian Kennedy and he looks like I mean, he was pretty steady last year, as crazy as that was. And that whole thing, he was steady enough. That you know, you know what? You know what is true as I'm listening to you talk about this? What's uh, that? The Royals have more fantasy options than the Rays. <laughs> How about that? 
because of the way the Rays use right. guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, a, the Rays are a really good team in reality, but they're not. Well, they've got three pitchers who are going to go in the first five rounds of Morton, Snell, and Glass now. So right off the bat, that's another one where you kind of elevate them. Then you got Austin Meadows for sure. And after that, you're right. You're right. There's there's definitely from an offensive standpoint, they, no. they leave a lot to be desired. No, they're not. And then, by the way, they're very good. It's just they platoon a lot and they use guys in different spots. But I think but- whenever you have a, anybody going in the first four or five rounds, I think you automatically say, OK, well, that's at least a fantasy relevant team because and I just gave three players on both of those squads there uh, of KC and Tampa where we're talking first five rounds relevant players. None of these other guys on these teams are first. I don't I don't think so. By the way, it shows that I'm a little out of it, but I I would question that. Maybe I am completely wrong, but you're saying to me that in terms of ADP. No, no, no. I'm going back to the race. You're saying to me that in terms of ADP in every draft, Morton and Glasnow are going top five rounds. Blake Snell is at 33. Him I know. Yeah, him I know. Um, I'm looking right now. We've got Charlie Morton's at 60 overall. On NFBC, okay. Tyler Glass is at 71 overall. Okay, so yeah, borderline. Borderline top five rounds for sure. In 12-team leagues, for sure. And <laughs> well, 15, yeah. And 15-teamers, right. definitely. I'd love to play in a 12-team team. What's that like? I haven't played in that 12-team league in ages. Oh, most people do. Most people <laughs> I know, do. I know, I know. It's, a, it's such a different game when you do. But still, you know, it just because that's the ADP doesn't mean somebody won't reach for Glass now because they're in love with what they saw last year for a short sample. Yeah. So I think that's something to keep in mind. But I think when you're looking at some of these teams, you start off with the Orioles. We talked about Nunez. As a guy for some cheap power, you can make a case potentially for Santander or maybe Austin Hayes, who gets a job at some point. I do think Austin Hayes is a good hitter, had some development slow because of some injuries. But I do think that's a guy that when we look up, he's going to be one of the most added guys and a guy that can contribute. John Means at the top of that rotation. I would take Means because he was pretty decent last year. He's not he was a world leader, but yeah. if you need if you need a body there in the rotation, there's, you're not going to get a lot of wins. And of course, you got Trey Mancini, who had a breakout fantastic year. Yeah, he's great. And but Mancini is like that one guy. But you can get Mancini stats at that position from a lot of different players. But I think the Orioles at least have Mancini. They have one prime player. Outside of that, the Orioles are a tough sell for fantasy for sure. Yeah, they really are. And uh, I mean, who's, I'm got, digging. Who's, who, who's got the, who's got the ninth for this team? Is it Givens? I guess. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it seems like. But this is a this is a 60 win team at best. You know, know. yeah, their, their total is even lower than that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and I can understand. All right. Now, so, the Pirates are interesting, too, because well, you let, talked let, about let, let's say let, yeah, right. we'll go to the Pirates in a second. Let's stick. Let's stick with the with the American League National League. OK, you'll do the um, AOs. OK. OK. So is Detroit worse than Baltimore going into the season? Yes, because they don't have they don't have, I think, that elite guy. in Man- Mike Mancini is a legit guy. I don't think there's anybody in the Detroit lineup that's legit. Crone is a nice little utility filler scope. Maybe you get scope to bounce back into 25 home runs again is like a, a cheap middle infield guy later on, but that's a dart throw in a 15 team league. Boyd was good, but then fell apart a bit in the second half. So we don't know what we're going to get out of him. Um, you know, Goodrum has some, you know, a little bit of appeal because of where he hits in the order. And Joe Jimenez, who didn't do well his first shot as a closer, did better the second time out. I do think he's the guy of the future. I think they're going to, you know, roll with him. And I don't see any of these guys coming near the value of a Mancini in terms of return on investment. So I I would definitely say that the Orioles are better than the Tigers in that sense, from a fantasy standpoint. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Reality, I think the Tigers are better. Uh, By the way, I I mean, you should be ashamed of yourself. You don't even mention Miguel Cabrera. I mean, he's done. I I thought about it. Did you did you watch Miguel Cabrera play? I'm very sad. I'm very sad. It breaks my heart. I'm I am a, he's the, like the, the best player Miguel alive Cabrera. playing still I mean, him and pools. pools. Yeah, but I mean, he's a first ballot slam dunk Hall of Famer. But, you know, geez, man, I, last year, Miguel Cabrera is just 
it, to say he's a shell of himself is also is kind of being kind. I mean, it's just the power is just completely gone. 12 home runs in almost 500 at bats. And, you know, he had 282. He's a guy that like, I just don't know what you do with him. Like he's just, he has part-time player numbers, but full-time playing time. Does he still qualify at first or, or that's done? Probably yeah, qualifies there still. still I would last, think he had 20 last year. Yeah, yeah. Probably, but it's just sad. All right. All right. So uh, Kansas City, you've made your case fair. Uh, Baltimore, Detroit, Seattle. Let's go to Seattle here. Seattle is interesting because uh, rookie left fielder, Kyle Lewis, rookie second baseman, Shed Long, a pitching staff that you wouldn't touch. I don't think. I mean, Not with a 10-foot pole or, or a bullpen I'm touching. Matt uh, McGill might be the closer right now. Yeah, Hanniger, you can't, you can't. I don't think you can take. Um, man, they cut. You they could cut. take him late and hope. Why'd they cut Domingo Santana? I guess the same reason why the Orioles let go of VR. They don't want to win. Um, they don't so, pay so, for, so, so last round, you grab Shed Long. Last round, you grab Kyle Lewis. Just take a shot. Like, I mean, no. <laughs> uh, no, it's a no for me. I mean, Malik Smith is going to get drafted, and D. Gordon is going to get drafted because of the one thing that they do, which is steal bases. So no matter what the playing time is, those guys are going to be on Roto rosters. It points leagues, they're not going to be, but in Roto, they will. Hanniger, you know, you're getting an extreme discount, and you have injury spots. You, you can stick them on there. You no. know, I like Hanniger as a player. But even Kyle Seager, who used to be a guy that you could always draft as a corner guy, man, this last two years, the splits have really got bad. And he's just, he's really fallen off. And what should be his prime, he's gotten worse, which is very concerning. I, I don't get that. But you you met, you met nailed it when you talked about the rotation here. This rotation like, what is, is going on with their rotation. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. And Kikuchi clearly has been a guy that has not worked out. See their opening day starter? Uh, I think it's Gonzalez, I would imagine, right? Marco. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, Marco. Marco. Two years ago, he was really good, but last year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, nationally, real quick here. Uh, Pirates, now we can go to them. Uh, Josh Bell, still a stud. Brian Reynolds, love Brian Reynolds, still possibly a stud. Uh, I mean, I don't know what to make of Gregory Polanco anymore. He um, was the, 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 we can officially call him a bus now. Like, if yeah, we get probably. there. Yeah. I mean, uh, remember, pitching, he was can't miss. Wise, I'm out. They, you know, Searage didn't turn these guys around. I'm out on all their pitchers. So uh, I got to take a closer, obviously, whoever their closer ends up. I'm not play. out on all their pitchers. I am not. Uh, Mitch Keller had some good minor league track record. Oh, I would I had give him all him last year. He's up. He's down. He's up. He's I understand. Down. But that happens. It's his first year in the big leagues. I'm not completely out on Mitch Keller. I am not completely out on Joe Musgrove because Musgrove was another guy who had, had some good moments last year. I am not completely out on Archer, and I've never, ever been an Archer guy. But in an era where we're looking for strikeouts, this guy's going to strike out 200 guys if he's healthy. He was not healthy last year. Everything fell apart. He tried to soldier through the shoulder injury. Eventually, he couldn't do it anymore. And then he went on the IL, and he missed the rest of the year. If he's healthy and he shows you like he looks pretty good in spring, he is the most useful chip that they have to flip and bring in some more things and continue this rebuild because somebody's going to need an Atlanta Somebody's going to need a Chris Archer for sure. So I like Archer a lot because I think there's a good chance he makes 15 starts for some other team this year. And if his first 14 starts bring up that value, then you've already got a pretty darn good season from Chris Archer. Uh, all right, let's end with the Giants. <laughs> Yastrzemski, maybe take a shot. I don't know. Cueto's getting $700 million a year, right? We already talked about that yesterday. That is, that is, uh, you know what? Longoria probably will hit 20. NL only leagues. Longoria will probably hit 20. Look, home in runs. NL only, you're going to get Longoria, Strumpy, Cueto, Samarja, yes, all those right. guys. But in mixed, mixed leagues, leagues no. I don't want any of these guys on my roster. Even Posey. But I mean, even, even Posey. Well, because he's in those done. two catcher stupid formats, I know he's done. Seven home runs? I know. <laughs> who's more overrated? He's a hall. He could be a Hall of Famer, Buster oh, Posey. I just threw up in my mouth a little Why bit. Why not? That. Oh, come on. Who is that a more overrated career, Buster Posey or Joe Mauer? Go. Uh, Joe Mauer. I would Buster, agree. Buster Posey's won World Series, multiple would, World Series, agree. multiple All Stars. He was also on a better team. Year MVP of the league. Come on, Buster Posey. Was, and he's a catcher. He had a great career, but it's over. 
And, yes. and listen, and the good news is, is that he's only owed, let's see, let's see how much money Buster Posey's owed. They did a great job with that contract, too. Uh, $22 million this year. $22 and million how, next year. How many, how many years left? Only two, only $44 million they owe him. Oh, that's, look at that. Someday the Giants will be good. <laughs> All right. Uh, sadness to fun. We'll go to the bullpens next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia here with you on the show. A lot of fantasy baseball discussion today. It's uh, it's really you know getting time to fire that up. And uh, you know my least favorite thing to talk about, honestly, is the saves and the bullpens. I try I try to avoid that as much as possible. I remember working on my old show when I would see when my producer would say, you know, we haven't talked about the bullpens. We haven't talked about closers. I'm like, what is there to talk about? It's the same thing every damn year. You get to May, 10 guys don't have the job that they had in April, right? Like it's every year. People don't understand this. Let me explain. People always ask me this. Okay. Why, Joe, do closers flame out? Why do they not last? Why are they not that good? There's a lot of different reasons, but here is the easiest explanation for it. The reason is that in general, not all of them, Mariano Rivera, Bruce Suter, Dennis Eckersley, Trevor Hoffman, if you want to put him in there. Um, I don't. Josh Hader, uh, you know there there are guys. Okay, uh, Ken Lee Jansen. I'm gonna I'm giving you examples of those are elite guys. Craig Kimbrell, mm-hmm. Chapman, Craig Kimbrell pre last year. Chapman not anymore, but you know was yeah. But look, but but Kimbrell also didn't have a regular offseason. It was a weird year, right? For but him, but so I'm I'll just saying in the history of baseball in general, in mm-hmm. the history of baseball, when you are a child and you're growing up and you are a pitcher. <laughs> Your goal is not to be the closer on the Orioles. Your goal is to be a starting pitcher. Now, if by default your skill set leads you to pitch in the major leagues, God bless you. It's an amazing accomplishment to pitch. It's a pitch in the minors, let alone the majors. But relievers are not as good as starters. If they were, they'd be starters. And so the guys that are going to flame out and are not going to be as good are always going to be in the bullpen or else they'd be starters. They don't aspire to be a seventh inning guy. It's not the way that it works. They aspire to be a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball, but when they cannot develop a third pitch, they end up in the bullpen. So therefore, the volatility of these pitchers in general, 90% of them is going to be a one or two or three year deal and then they're done. And by the way, a major accomplishment because we've all, myself, Joe included, have dreamed of being on a Major League Baseball field and have never come close. But that's why I don't trust them. That's why I don't draft them. And it's nothing against them because my buddy Brad Ziegler, for every Brad Ziegler who pitched in the big leagues for as, at a very high level, as long as he did, there are 100 guys that he played with that were out of the league after one year. And so as it pertains to the ninth, Joe, I'm out. I'm not in. But for this subject matter of trying to find the guys that could sneak some saves in at the end, that's my goal. That's what I'm in on. 
All right. Well, let's 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 breeze through them. We'll we'll dismiss the guys that we know are going to be the guys. Uh, let's start off just with Arizona because Archie Bradley was better in an eighth inning role than he was as a closer. Is there any potential that he loses this job? I know Guerra is in this bullpen now. Hector Rondon, who's had saves in the past, and Yoan Lopez, another guy that you know a lot of people think is a dark horse for saves potentially at some point. Do you think Bradley is a safe closer investment this year with the D-backs, who are a much improved team? No, I do not. I think that uh, Archie Bradley will lose his job at some point this year. Very strong candidate for that to happen. I think that there are a lot of other potential options here. One of them being Yoan Lopez, who got a little cup of coffee in that role at the end of the year. Ron Doan, as you mentioned, has the experience. And then the other name that is intriguing, and I don't know that they would do this, but I got to tell you, John Duplantier was a very high draft pick of the Diamondbacks. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was a mm-hmm. third round pick many years ago. He oh, averages about a, about a strikeout per nine. It looks like that they're moving him to the pen. Uh, They did it last year. He walked way too many guys, so he's not ready to close right now. He's got to prove probably in low leverage spots, but that would be my deep, deep sleeper name for a potential closer with Arizona. All right, let's uh, move on to the next one here. Atlanta Braves, Mark Melanson, clearly the, the veteran with the most experience. Will Smith was also brought in. Shane Green had a fantastic year. So this is a pretty good bullpen. So who has the most saves when all said and done for the Braves in 2020? Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, follow the money on this one and I'll go Will Smith. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know that they're saying all the right things and they'll use him when they need him. And that certainly could be the case early on. But uh, I don't I don't think that you pay a reliever uh, ten million dollars or nine million dollars, whatever it is. And then, you you know, you bring him in in the sixth. So, um, look, it's a three batter minimum now. So I think that that changes things for Will Smith. It changes things for everyone. Shane Green struggled a lot when he first got to Atlanta. And I, you know, simply put, Joe, I mean, at this stage of the game, and I know that he's out of that another stupid huge deal that the, the Giants gave out. Now that that's done, I guess, I just don't fully trust him in the ninth. I just, I, I can't get around to it. So I think Will Smith would be the guy that I would guess to get the most saves. But <clears throat> on that team, most saves. What does that mean? If I set the over under for Will Smith saves on the season, I'd set it at about 18. 25. No, oh, I, see, I yeah. think he could get that earlier. I, no. I think it could be potentially earlier. No, I, I, think I, I would set it a lot. No? Okay. I'd set it a lot lower. I, I would say so is that, that the kind of one that you would take Melanson and then take Will Smith and handcuff him. So you, you know what? Like That's dangerous too. Because, well, in the auction. No, I learned my lesson with that too, because then what you're doing is let's say you're spending uh, $12 on Will Smith and $6 on, um, Melanson or seven, let's mm-hmm. say hypothetically. I mean, you've just overspent two guys to get not even guaranteeing you saves because it could be Shane Green at some at some point. You never. I, don't I think, think Shane Greenwood be. is a distant third in this race. I do. And that, that's just my yeah, opinion. But and, you never and, know. It's it's so but, volatile. If you're following the money, like he's got to go past the money guy and he's got to go past the veteran with experience closing games. I think that's all. That's like the perfect storm. That would for to me would take injuries for that to happen. Personally, that's that's where I kind of lie let's move on to another one here that's let's a lot of on. saves though for if you're saying the 20 i would have to 40 if, saves? If that was the vegas number for a team that's going to win 100 games is not that many but he would have to have it all year without a without a blip and that's what i don't know i mean 40 for. between the two of them that's what i'm talking combined the 40 for the investment of the 10 bucks mm, i don't know i've, I've failed 10 bucks 40 saves in an auction i actually make more, more sense than in a snake i no, think it's harder no, to do it in no. a snake draft <laughs> that never works <clears throat> i got a sneak all right let's do uh scott oberg Right now is the closer of the Colorado Rockies. She's still got Estevez and Wade Davis there. So uh, anything uh, shaking out there? 
Yeah, this is one that I don't trust. So I probably was Colorado's here. <laughs> Like didn't didn't the Rockies try to sell me Jake McGee was going to be the closer two years? Oh, ago? Jake McGee's there still. He's yeah. still on the roster, buddy. Didn't they signed Dunn to some stupid deal two years, eight million. They, I'm out. Hey, I'm out. I'm Derek out on the Rockies. A couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm out on the Rockies closing situation. I'm out. All right, fair enough. Uh, Ian Kennedy, did you buy in? Are you buying in now for this year that he's uh, the guy? Uh they're getting closer to being able to be able to move him. So that would be a concern for me if if uh, if after the All Star break they right. decided to move him, I would put his number at about 15 saves on the season. Okay, so mm. you know one of the one of the bottom five closers in baseball. Twenty. Do we feel 30. comfortable with the Anaheim Angels Hansel Robles or by the Ty way Butchery. by the way the on the Royals uh, Richard Lovelady is a guy to uh, to keep an eye on. Okay, uh, Angels, love that name ahead. by the way. Pretty yeah. sure he's a Downton Abbey character. So good guy. Okay. Yeah. Angels. Hansel Robles was awesome. Do I trust that's going to happen again? No. I feel like that's, I see, I'm with you. It's like everyone's like, well, it's Hansel Robles. And I keep saying, well, is it? <laughs> I mean, how often have we had this? Where what are my other options? Ty Buttry, who was a guy everybody liked going in. Cam Bedrosian, who's had some moments in that role. What's that's Middleton's situation? Uh, I don't know. He I mean, he's all of last roster. year, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, that's, that's the late round guy for me. Kenyon Middleton. Actually, no, he he didn't miss the whole. He had 11 games he did play, but. Oh, thanks. Not not a lot, but wasn't very good in them. But, you know. No, he had Tommy John. Right. I know. So I don't I don't don't know. Mm, I think that's tough. Guy bouncing back from Tommy John to make it closer. Stay away. All right. Stay away is good. I like stay away. Uh, Ryan Stanek. Miami. No, what? it's uh, Kinsler now is the closer. And oh, I, Kinsler. I, I, oh, that's right. I'm Mike Bryan. That's right. Not yeah. Matt Kinsler. Sorry. And I, and I, I have, why, and, why isn't this updated on Roto World? That's weird. And and by the way, I have no issue with taking Kinsler at all. I think that he's going to save. Uh, you know, they'll play. Their offense is not fantastic. They'll play a lot of close games. They'll trade him in July. So look at Sergio Romo's numbers last year. If you like an ERA pushing four. A whip pushing one point two and about sixteen saves. That's who he is. That's what you're going to get. That's All right. It. How about Minnesota, a team that's probably going to win a lot of games? You got Taylor Rogers. Stay away. Sergio, Sergio Romo and Trevor Stay May. Away. They're Stay using away. all those guys. Stay away. Uh, I, I wouldn't even set a, a, a saves total on any of them at fifteen. None of them. I think they all split the gig. All I really gotta, high level good pitchers. If you ask me, who would be the guy who gets the most? I'm going to say Sergio Romo. <laughs> it, it could be, but really but but like... I'll tell you, Romo was shaky. Last year uh, for Miami, I'm and, well aware, and, and, and he is he is definitely under the category of pitcher that is my 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 the theory on guys who how do you lose a gig your closers gig is you blow three saves that's it mm-hmm. you blow the first one no biggie you blow the second one they start to you know wonder you blow the third one now all of a sudden they announce that they're moving him out of the closer role and they're moving into a less you know, you know this is like the Leclerc. Go back. Look at everybody. It is right. three saves and you're done unless your name is Jansen. You know, that's it. You're done. Well, Edwin Diaz blew more than that, but they had such an investment oh, in him. Gosh. I mean, yeah, it's like the Nothing money you do about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of him, I mean, I wasn't going to put him in here, but with Batanzas being there, does this put him on that three and out possibility or at least I, a temporary? I feel removal? much better about Diaz this year than I did last. He was going so way I. too high last year. Way too high. Yeah, I'm I OK. Agree. I'm OK with taking that shot there on him this year. All right. Oakland, you believe in Liam Hendricks? I do. I like Liam yeah. Hendricks. Yes, I do. And again, uh, is he being drafted, Joe, as a top five closer this year? That's my only issue. Top, uh, I'll tell you right now, if he's being drafted as a top five closer. In the meantime, uh, go on to riff on Liam Hendricks. Why you like him so much? Uh, well, I like him because I don't think that he is reliant on one pitch. And that was the issue with Trinan is Trinan was kind of reliant on one pitch, that slider. 
So uh, when that started failing, Trinan went in the other direction. By the way, Trinan going into 2019, quote, elite closer. Can't go wrong by taking Blake Trinan, right? Everyone said that about Blake Trinan. What happened? I didn't say that he was going to fail, but a reason why I will not take a Blake Trinan in a fantasy draft. I will not take Kenley J. I will not take the top guys. 37 in terms of pitchers, uh, in terms of relievers. He's basically going, yeah, in that same, like you said, top five. So. Kirby yeah, so, so I'll be out. I'll be out on Liam Hendricks, but I trust him, but I won't take him. I won't mm-hmm. take him. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. Uh, so passed on there. Let's go to Philadelphia. Do we feel good about Hector Neris in this role? No, definitely not. Mm-hmm. So is Robertson, Sir Anthony Dominguez, or you just, it's a big cluster. <sighs> I'm out on it. Yeah. But, no, but I will, I will say this. It's Ian Kennedy. I'll, I'll, ha- I'll have, face. I'll have a very good feel on this with a wink, wink and a nod, nod by the time we get closer to the season. Ooh, I love that. You know, I love doing a show with you. It's like I will have a good Italian deal cousins. on this one. I a lot of winkings a- and nodding and a lot of, you know, you didn't hear from me, but, uh, you know. I will know dirty. who the Phillies closer is going to be. All right. Well, when you find that out, text me. You know my number. <laughs> no, you know my number. No, you know I, my I, number. I have to bother you every day. Who's the Phillies closer? I'm going to text you every day for the next three weeks. Who's the Phillies closer? Wait, wait till not till not next week. You got to wait till March. Okay. okay. All right, just uh, tell me. Any, any more? And if you have an idea, tell me. Yeah, let's do uh, Keone Kella. Are you going to keep that job in Pittsburgh or no? He has a chance right? to be the top closer in fantasy baseball this year. Whoa, model. Look at this guy going out on a limb. Has a chance. Yep. Has yeah. a chance to be. Horrible attitude. Horrible it. attitude. Terrible guy. But yeah. the Pirates are going to look to get out from under this dude as fast as they can, and they are going to throw him in every high leverage spot, <laughs> and and he could he could save forty games with the wow. Pirates this year. Yep, look at that. Uh, in terms of the rest of them here, Kirby Yates is no worries. Um, no worries, but not taking him to go into high. That's, oh, that's and that's fair. Um, San Francisco right now. Ugh, move on. Okay, I don't know who it is. I neither I, do I. I, I. You know what? My my money's on Tony Watson. My money's on Rob Nen. <laughs> That's a good buddy. Uh, Seattle right now is Matt McGill. Uh, no. Could be Carl Edwards Jr. or Carl's Jr. Oh, yeah, maybe, like maybe Carl Edwards Jr. Yeah. Uh, the, we disagree on St. Louis. I don't want to bother you with that right now. Um, in terms of, we got Alvarado with Tampa. Excuse me, Pagan. Pagan. Not not Alvarado. My apologies. Yeah. Pagan right. and Leclerc with Texas. Those are the last couple. Yeah, Leclerc was so bad at the beginning and then was good at the end. So I'll be out. How do you feel All about right. Doolittle? You feel so uh, pretty good, him? Uh, yeah, that's how I am, too. I'm kind of they, over, they overused them a little last year. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we got to take a quick time out. We got the two minute warning next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We're getting ready to send it over to our friend Dr. Roto at the top of the hour. Before that, let's hit our two-minute drill. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? As we end the show today, I am pleading, I am begging, 
I am telling the Boston Red Sox, do not trade Mookie Betts. What are you doing? How many players are you going to have to draft in the next 10 years to pray that somebody will even be 75% of what Mookie Betts is? I get it. You're under financial restrictions. I get it. You don't like the way that Dave Dombrowski was handing out money over the last five years. All those things are understandable. But isn't the future trying to find somebody just like the player that Mookie Betts is? He wants a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of guys do. You gave it to J.D. Martinez, and J.D. Martinez is a phenomenal player. How can you justify giving that contract to J.D.? And then you don't go out and try and keep Mookie Betts. This trade is going to be a disaster if they trade him. It is not going to work out. And the Red Sox, I understand, are going into a year where they feel on paper, maybe they're not as good as Tampa Bay. Maybe they're not as good as the Yankees. But you don't tear it halfway down. You don't trade your best player and still have J.D. and still have Bogarts and still have Devers and some of these other players. I hope that this doesn't happen for Boston. Not that I'm rooting for it one way or the other, but I just don't see this working out well. And I think Mookie Betts is a superstar heading into a spot where someone inevitably is going to pay him what he wants and is probably one of the top two or top three players in the game for the next 10 years. Don't do it. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to my co-host Joe Pizzapia and our producers Sean Guastamacchia and Chris Pavona. I'm Craig Mish. Full-time fantasy is next. Our full Super Bowl preview is tomorrow. Talk to you then at noon. Bye.